Welcome to Lead for Clarity, where we help you, your team, and your organization get to their next level with clarity and focus. My name is Shondell Sutherland, and I'm here with my co-host that I love and adore, Melanie Montgomery. And boy, how was your summer, Melanie? It is great. I'm enjoying the sunshine. That always makes me so happy. (laughs) Oh, I know. I love going to the lake. I just love being outdoors. This is, I just love this time of year hiking and the whole nine yards. Just so fun. Well, we had a really great session last time. I loved it. And we were talking about boundaries and this came from a question that we had. And so we got going on part one and then we're going to talk about how do you say no and we're going to look at that from a couple of different perspectives. So, Melanie, why don't you get us started on what our subject is going to really dig into? Yeah, the question that we got from our listener was around setting healthy boundaries and communicating those boundaries in the workplace in ways that can help with personal growth and professional development while also being respectful to positions and coworkers. So there's a lot to mm-hmm. unpack yeah. there. So are we looking at a boundary of saying, no, I don't have time to do something? Or are we saying, I don't appreciate that behavior as a boundary? In terms of looking at how do we say no respectfully, we can give a lot of tips for that. A lot of times in our careers, we take on a position and then we just keep getting things added on because we say, (laughs) yes, we want to make people happy. We want to do what our boss asks. And then all of a sudden we have this ginormous workload that we really can't maintain. (laughs) Do you know what we used to say in the day? Good work gets you more work. Exactly. (laughs) Being an awesome worker, you end up with a lot more projects as people can trust you and depend on you. That always makes me smile and cringe. Yes. And that was something that I constantly did in every single job I ever had was I just took on more, I took on more, I took on more. And then I got frustrated because I had too much. Then I had to learn, okay, how do I now start to set the boundaries, start to say no in respectful ways, still do my job and be responsible for that. So a few different things to look at here is number one is if your boss is asking you to do something that maybe is outside of your scope, it's hard to just tell them no. (laughs) Um, So what I found to be really helpful is to ask my boss, how should I prioritize this within my other pieces that I have to do? And let him know that I have a really full plate and I can do this, but do you want me to put this off until next week? Or do you want me to put one of these other things off until next week? So that way I'm not saying no, but I'm also not taking on too much at that time. Yeah. I remember a CEO, I was telling her, if you're going to put this on someone else's plate, you got to ask what comes off of it. And I think as, as owners or as CEOs or managers, when we go outside that scope, we know, hey, this person's so awesome. Mm-hmm. I've got good vision for them, but we don't realize what is on their plate. And maybe that's a really good way to ask like, mm-hmm. hey, I know you have a lot. Can I help you prioritize? And I yes. I think that's a great place to be if you're on the other side of this mm-hmm. is becoming more and more aware of what is on other people's plates. Absolutely. When I led teams, what I used to say is, is this something that you can take on? And when do you think that you'll be able to complete this by so that I know I'm not setting a deadline for them that's going to stress them out, but I'm giving them that freedom to say, okay, here's when I have time to do that. Right. So what we're trying to do is help people that they have to manage up. And that is a wonderful gift that you give your managers. So I love number one is really asking, what can I prioritize? But I love the way you said it. Yes. And 
What do you want me to do here? I love it. Mm -hmm. So another situation that may come up is if a colleague asks you to help them out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we always want to help out our team. So, of course, we're saying yes all the time, but this can be a bit cumbersome. So I think the same thing applies here, looking at timelines and check in on when do they need it by. Sometimes our colleagues ask us something and they need it right now. And we just can't do that. Letting them know, like, yes, I'm happy to help, but can I push it back a week or two or whatever that looks like? That's great. Another tip that I learned the hard way, and I'm still learning the hard way, (laughs) is that we have to be really realistic about how long something is going to take. Mm -hmm. Giving ourselves that buffer and saying, how long is this really going to take before I just people please and say yes. Yeah, so good. That's so good. I wish in America that we would all realize that no matter what thing we take on, it's going to take longer than we really (laughs) wish or desire, don't you? Yes, definitely. I started having to like double my time estimates because I was so terrible at estimating time. And so I use that. If I think it's going to take an hour, it's really going to take at least two. Mm -hmm. When people ask us to do something, we want to give them an answer right away. And that kind of takes away our ability to really think through how long it's going to take, recognizing that it's okay. And maybe we should be leaning into this more to say, Can I check my calendar and get back to you later this afternoon and build yourself that space to go and look and to think about it instead of just having that knee jerk. Yes. Reaction. Yes. So good. I think that right there, Melanie, I think you just really hit on something that could be powerful for everyone. I love the yes. And when I ask someone to do something, I want to know that they are on board and want to do it. Now I don't want a false. Yes. What I love you saying is If I can get a positive feedback, like, wow, yes, I would really want to help you. And I have to go check my calendar. I am wanting, it's just a matter of, am I able? That's what I feel like you're really empowering people to go figure out. Yes, definitely. And that pause is important. Even if you ask me to do something in my immediate responses, I want to do it and I can do it. If I make myself take that pause... And I go back and look, I might have another thought process of whether or not I can do it. How many times do you say yes? And then later on, you're like, why in the heck did I agree to that when I (laughs) have so much on my plate? And so this gives us that buffer and the reinforcement to continue building that relationship. Yeah. And we really teach, coach, encourage, inspire people to be a person of integrity. One of our things is under promise and over deliver. We're giving people tips to actually do that. Be a person of your word, which means you got to be realistic. And the other thing is realizing what is yours to do and mm-hmm. make sure that you have the the oxygen mask flowing, meaning that you're getting your own stuff done before you're being helpful, keeps you as a person of integrity. Yeah. And there's this really great article that everyone should read. It's in the Harvard Business Review called Who's Got the Monkey? It really talks through that idea of we're constantly taking on other people's projects. And then at the end of the day, we have this full plate. And so reframing what is mine to do versus what's yours to do? And how do I keep that boundary there? And that is important when it comes to colleagues and the people that report to us. Our team will come to us with something 
and maybe there's a step missing. And so then we take it on and now it's our responsibility where it really should stay with them. But the importance of teaching people how to do things versus just doing it ourselves to help because then we create that habit where they can just come to us and we'll do it or we'll give them the answer. Right. And so when we take the time to say, hey, I'd love to help you with this. Can I show you how to do it so that next time you're ready to go? How do we help our team be successful by teaching them to do things and delegating versus just taking it on ourselves? That in and of itself was one of the biggest things that I changed that had a huge impact because I was doing a lot of other things for people that I shouldn't be doing. And once I flipped that mindset, I was really able to free up a lot of my time and focus on those things that I was responsible for. Yeah. And that also brings me to the podcast we did with Cody Coles, where we really talked about you go from being the number one doer, you're doing so well and doing Mm -hmm. the tasks amazingly that you get elevated to a manager or a supervisor position. And at that point in time, you do less and you're working Mm -hmm. more with people. And boy, is that a shift that I don't think we give enough credit for. And so it's really about as we learn to delegate, realizing your mindset changes as a leader to investing in your people. And that's, again, where these boundaries, if you do them well as the doer, will serve you well as the manager because now you know how to set them and now you know how to keep them. You're absolutely right. When we can set those boundaries with our team, it really helps us when we then grow into higher leadership positions. Mm, That's so great. Yeah, and I think that as we learn to delegate we get to do more of the things we love. So I'm going to circle that back to boundaries. One of the beautiful things of boundaries, which we kicked in the last session, so you can look at the session just before this, is about your values. When you're living your values is when you are finding your purpose in life and you love what you're doing because it feeds your soul. And how you get to do more and more of that work is being good at what you do with the small things, right? We say, we can trust you with the big things if you're faithful in the small things. What I love is all this work is helping people be their best selves. One, have your values. Two, make sure you have boundaries around them. Number three, get work done and be amazing and make sure you don't burn out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that that is exactly what we want to do. And boundaries really help us to get there. One of the other aspects of this question I think we should touch on is what about the boundaries that have more to do with behavior that we Mm -hmm. don't like or that we don't appreciate? That's a very different kind of boundary where I'm saying, hey, Shondell, I didn't like the way that you spoke to me. And let's talk about that. That's a hard conversation having boundary Mm -hmm. to set because then now not only are we setting a boundary, but we're also having a really hard conversation, a healthy conflict. So maybe we can spend a little bit of time talking through that. Yeah. You know, this is something that I love talking about. First, you have to set standards for yourself that you hold yourself to. Mm -hmm. Then you have from there boundaries that are for other people. And it's basically that you just don't allow them to do that. You can't control other people's behavior, but you can control yourself. And so I love that boundary. Like, here's my little square. You can be chaotic if you want to outside of my square. But in my square, this is how I'm functioning. And again, we talked about training people how to interact with you, training people how to treat you, I think is one of the keys to success. And I love this other piece because you and I were talking a little bit about this, but what specific behavior 
is causing me all this discomfort. So I think sometimes we don't even take the time to articulate what the exact behavior is. And then what's the reasonableness to expect that behavior to stop? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's such a great point and one that we dug into in one of those emotional intelligence podcasts. I'll give you an example. I struggle when people raise their voice at me. That is something that I don't like that gets my amygdala going. And so for the longest time, I would leave a conversation frustrated. And later on, I would look back like, why was I actually mad? I started doing a lot of work on myself and and how I was feeling and digging into emotional intelligence to realize that, oh, It's that you're raising your voice to me and that you're talking down to me. At that time, I didn't know how to address that. But what I could have said is when you raise your voice, it really makes me not feel comfortable. And I would really appreciate that when we talk, that you work on keeping your voice at that level, which is hard to say, especially if it's our boss or someone that we respect. But often people don't even realize that they're doing it. I've told people, hey, I really don't respond well when you raise your voice to me. And they stop in their tracks and they're like, I wasn't raising my voice to you. And so they don't even know what's happening. So we have to communicate these to set those boundaries and say, hey, you are doing it. You may not be doing it intentionally, but let's talk about this and how we can move forward Mm, with that that relationship. So good. That is so good. Because actually, the next point I was going to make is maybe we have unresolved matters from our past. And so if we can deal with our own unresolved matters, like you said, hey, I went, kind of figured this out for myself. Now you're able to specifically say, here it is. I know exactly what the behavior is. Otherwise, people go, I just can't handle this. This is, I just need a boundary with you. And that's not helpful because the other person doesn't know how to treat you then. They don't know how to interact with you. Mm-hmm. So I think another step is informing the person about the boundary that you find unacceptable and ask them to stop when you're not charged around it. Yes, yes. Right? You cannot like, have these conversations when you're emotionally charged. They do not go well. <laughs> they don't go well and you don't mm-hmm. hold them because right. you're, like you said, your amygdala is all fired up and you're saying irrational things. And so the best thing to know is don't expect them to know your boundary, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you do it in a calm, relaxed time when there's not an argument, something going on, you're going to be able to communicate it very clearly. Like even how mm-hmm. you just did, Melanie, you were very clear in how you communicated mm-hmm. it. And then I think, you know, once you've said that, hey, from now on, this is something, you know, that I that I have allowed before and I'm just not going to do that anymore. Like I remember when I had a very personal standard, it was silly, of answering email every second of the day. And pretty soon I go, I'm not holding myself to that standard. It's killing me. Well, then I went out to the world and said, hey, I've usually been a immediate email responder and my new boundary is 24 hours. Mm-hmm. set me free. But I kind of had to like, I had allowed this for so long. I had to set first my standard and mm-hmm. then my boundary. I think the next thing is to give people consequences and let them know what you're going to do if that continues. And then I think always gently giving a reminder, give a little grace period to figure it out. But then you got to follow through with the consequence if they don't continue to do it, because this is your little fence, your area, you get a, mm-hmm. and there's a gate in there, they can come and they can go. I love that. And I think that when we communicate with our boss, it can be harder to say, I'm not going to allow this. Here's the consequence. How would you recommend handling that with your boss of, hey, this really bothers me. This is what I need from you, where you can't be as like straightforward. 
Yeah, I think so. If I'm talking with like my boss, I'm just going to give him the consequences that it happens to me. Mm. Like, hey, you know, when you raise your voice to me, do you realize it takes me like four hours to really come back into my thinking brain and to be, or it takes me a day to kind of recover from that. Mm-hmm. And so I think it serves both really well. If when I feel that we're going this way, maybe I, I could just be the one to go, ooh, could we have a t- tone change? Or I actually think using a code word of some kind that's not offensive to anyone, it sounds so childish. I actually think it works, mm-hmm. you know, and having that kind of agreement, actually bosses appreciate that. Now, well-meaning people that are Shondell group worthy, right? <laughs> we're talking to they don't want to be offensive. They don't want their people to be yeah. triggered. They don't want to have behaviors that cause people that. And so I think it's a matter of having something that you help them help you help themselves. Mm, I love that. That is so spot on. And one more thing to add to that is I found that when I'm having hard conversations and talking about behavior that I don't like, it's really beneficial for me to make the person feel comfortable at the beginning. So if you raise your voice at me a lot, I might say, Hey, Shondell, I really appreciate you. And I really love the relationship that we have. And I know that you're not doing this on and your passion. (laughs) And I know that you're not doing this intentionally, but here's, you know, what is happening. So really letting people know ahead of time that like, I think you're great. You're wonderful. Here's this one little tweak. That way people are in the conversation, not thinking like I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible boss. It's just, you know, we kind of qualify it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of things just take care of themselves. Here's I'll land the plane with this. Yes. A lot of things (laughs) take care of themselves when we assume goodwill, Mm -hmm. when we assume positive intent and we realize that my behavior is different than my intentions and people cannot read my intentions, they can only read my behavior. And so let's help everybody in that realm to really be the best they can be. Because if it offends you, it probably offends someone in their family. So we can actually give them a gift. What do you think? I love that. Yes. All right, good. Anything left to be said? I think we could do like 10. I think we could too. (laughs) Yes. It brings up so many things, but we'll go ahead and leave this. And again, We love answering these questions. They make us feel joyful. They give us so much connection to you, our listeners, which is why we do this. So please keep sending them in. You can send them to Melanie at shondellgroup.com or podcast. We just want to hear from you. We we ask the question on our Facebook. You can find us. You all know how to find us. And we want to hear it. I think we have something on our website, right, Melanie, even? Okay, we'll put that in the show notes. So as always, we want you to go to shondellgroup.com and just leave this episode right now just being the very best you can be because we love you have a great day bye bye